alrighty. Uh, here we are, guys. We are back. And we have... Jeez, must be one of the only shows that I've ever gotten... Goosebumps. Goosebumps, yeah. More yeah. than once, I think. It, it could... It, it's At this stage, it's definitely my top five fa- favourite shows. It's in my top... It's in my top five. It yeah. could be my top three. Yeah. I'll have to listen to it again, maybe. It might even be my number one, but... Yeah. Guys, we've got... Um, it was unbelievable. Tony Doherty for you today. Um... Tony Doldy is a very inspiring guy. He's, Isn't he um, owns six Doldy's gyms. He's kind of built himself into a, a recognisable um, worldwide brand. He's also he's Arnold's right hand man. He's Arnold's right hand business partner with the Arnold Classic, touring around the world with Arnold Schwarzenegger, and he's become really good friends with Arnold. But we didn't really get too much into that. Nah. We just got into um, how to how to strive and be successful in life, really. Yep, and absolutely. Just, fuck, it was just a sick a, a bunch of. A bunch of lines in there that are that are, you could put on t-shirts or yep. inspirational quotes, but from a real guy. So I absolutely loved it. Mm. Um, the show is uh, the show, guys, is brought to you by Audible. Audible. So Audible is uh, Audible's uh, Audible. <laughs> He's hating it. Audible is the. Uh, I was actually hating it. You were Audible, hating it. Audible is. Uh, it's been a long day. Audible is. Audiobook, uh, audiobook warehouse, guys, with um, over 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 fifty titles. Um, it's definitely over fifty. I think there might even be there might be sixty, seventy titles. And um, in fact, it's probably more than that. It's yeah. probably more than seventy titles. Yeah, I'd say there'd be at least seventy-two. Yeah, I reckon at least seventy-two titles at Audible, 000. something like that. And um, Audible's an audiobook warehouse. You can find any book that you want, and you can listen to it on the fly. So whether you're running, whether you're walking the dog, whether you're cleaning the house. Um, whether you're, what's that? Yeah, yeah, you know. Whether you're, uh, whether yeah, you're, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, we know, we, we know what's going on. Yeah, that's right. On. But uh, so check it out, guys. Me and Tommy are big, um, big users of Audible. So head to audibletrial.com uh, forward slash advf radio, and you'll get one free audiobook and a thirty day free trial. Definitely check it out. We're also brought to you by Sean Marsh, I believe, Tommy. Uh, yes. Well, we're not brought. We're not brought to you by Sean Marsh. We're, <laughs> no, we're not. That's, uh, we're brought to you by Quash Creative Guys, who is... Sean uh, Quash. Sean yeah, Quash. Sean Quash, yeah. So, Shawnee Marsh is a, is a friend of the shows, and he has started Quash Creative, which is basically a freelance design firm. And if you go to him, guys, with uh, with anything, any sort of feedback or some ideas to set up a website, to set up a, a brand, or if, even if you just want to start a brand, he'll, uh, he'll basically figure out the best way to... To help you out there, guys. Now, offer is if you mention Adventure Fit Radio when you hook up with the dudes there, uh, they will give you a free basic SEO report on on your existing brand or some feedback as well. So head to www.quashcreative, that's Q U A I S H creative.com.au and mention Adventure Fit Radio. Bill, Adventure Fit Travel. We're also brought to you by Adventure Fit Travel, guys. Uh, we are selling Iceland and it's going, uh, it's going like, uh, it's going like hotcakes. So, um, over the last week we've sold another four tickets on Iceland so we've only got a few tickets left so if you want to get on board guys um, we're going to see the Northern Lights we're doing the Golden Circle we're going ice cave exploring glacier walking checking out Skogafoss Golfoss Waterfalls the Black Beach in Vic Jockel Carlson Glacier Lagoon we're um, the Blue Lagoon in, in Reykjavik we're literally doing the most amazing trip of Iceland you've ever seen check out uh Check out the trip at www.adventuretravel.com. If you guys want to come along, it'll be uh, 10% off if you use the code RADIO. Someone used the code this morning. Um, congratulations to whoever that was. Chris, uh, Chris Carrot. Chris Carrot. <laughs> and, um, so anyway, 
Um, we've also got New Zealand coming up. That's going to be released by the time this show will be out. We've got a mini Australia trip. We've got um, Papua New Guinea coming for Kokoda next year, which has started to sell. So check out uh, www.adventuretravel.com if you're ready for a holiday and you want to do it with like-minded people at all the best places in the world. Then, um, yeah, come with us. You won't regret it. Uh, Without further ado. Here's Tony. Now, before we do this, let's go over the ground rules. Rule number one. No touching of the hair or face. And that's it. Yo. Discovery Roger, go for deploy. Where did we come from? Some kind never even considered for mass production. Too weird to live, too rare to die. All right, guys, so welcome back to Adventure Hit Radio. We're sitting here with a great man, Tony Doldy, today in uh, Doldy's Gym, the original Doldy's Gym in Brunswick. Before we throw over and welcome Tony officially, we are going to uh, start the show as usual. With a little of uh, Tommy's tribute. Alrighty, welcome, uh, welcome, Tone. I thought I'd uh, tribute you with Stairway to Heaven, also known as Stairway to Tone. So we'll see how we go. Very nice. (laughs) (laughs) It's very central. There's a man whose name is Tone. Some people say he's like Al Capone All I want to do is give him my bone (laughs) He started his own gym Bill wants to show him his rim I've seen it and it looks like a fucking bin And his gym is a worldly success <laughs> Doherty, thank you for giving us this access <laughs> Welcome aboard, mate <laughs> And please don't have a look at his rim <laughs> so, Sorry about that, Tone yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I, I was putting on my Snapchat while I was watching you idiots <laughs> yeah, that's right yeah. <laughs> I'll probably Alrighty. never get another follow of my life. <laughs> uh, yeah, Tone, thanks for, uh, thanks for coming on the show, mate. Happy to be here. It's taken us a while to get our shit together. <laughs> yeah, that's right. made Keep it. that under wraps, mate. Keep that yeah. under wraps. Yeah. No, no, no I, meant, I meant from when you first contacted me, not your cluster fuck setting up your equipment. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. No, that's taken us a while. Good, true. That uh, good that we sorted out. But um, True professionals. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Tony, why don't you tell us, um, tell us a little bit about yourself, mate, and uh, your, your story, I suppose. Tell the listeners who you are. Well, um, I'm probably a lot of things. Um, I do a lot of different stuff. I guess I'm uh, uh, most well known for um, the gyms. Um, I've got uh, six gyms uh, in Victoria and soon to go nationwide and hopefully worldwide, but we'll talk about that later. But um, so Doherty's Gym has been my uh, life and passion for the last 
20-something years. I moved to Melbourne in uh, 1994 from a country town called Bendigo where I grew mm-hmm. up and yep. started it all. I was broke and didn't have uh, much going for me at the time, but I've sort of stuck it out and, and uh, uh, built the brand up to be very recognisable worldwide. Mm. Um, the other thing I do is um, I'm Arnold Schwarzenegger's business partner in the Arnold Classic. Mm-hmm. So I started out with an expo in Melbourne called FitEx, which when Arnold uh, finished being governor in 2011, he wanted to take his Arnold Classic worldwide and do one in each continent. So he started with Spain and then Brazil, and then he said the next country will be Australia. And, you know, I was hoping he'd choose me, and he did. And mm. um, that was the most life-changing thing that ever happened. So I've done that um, three years now. And uh, in doing that, we go to all of the Arnold Classics every year. So we get to travel with him at least six times a year in all the coolest places on earth. Yeah. And, and, um, you know, in, in doing that, we've become um, good mates. And uh, to, to have your idol become your mentor and your business partner and one of your closest mates is just surreal. So that, that takes up a lot of my time. So fits in with your travel theme because I, I travel more than most. Um, mm. I think I had 12 international trips last year and I think this year I'm already up to five or six. Mm. So yep. don't really stop travelling. And then uh, the other thing I do is I do some um, public speaking, mm-hmm. whether I'm emceeing events or doing my Relentless Momentum tours, which are a, um, a tour I do in every Australian capital city, um, just to inspire people to be their best and people that follow my social media and, and uh, get my message are the kind of people that just don't want to live a normal life and perhaps have been told that they should. Mm. And then someone like me comes along and goes, no, 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 you can do it on your own terms. So I kind of try and empower people to do that. Mm. Um, so that takes up most of my time. Um, you know, I am uh, uh, was married, but not now, but I've got four beautiful kids that mm-hmm. I have every other weekend and um, see them fairly regularly. So, yeah, I'm, you know, very much a family guy. Um, and that's about it. I mean, yeah, that, cool. that, that's, right. that's, that's what I do, it's not who I am. But yeah. it's um, so it's always something different. I get bored really easy. So um, the guys in my upstairs office, I've got a few different offices here. So I've got ADD and they call it Anthony Doherty disease. <laughs> you can't concentrate for longer than about five minutes. <laughs> yeah. I was named after you. Huh? Yeah. I didn't know yeah. I was named yeah. after yeah. all disease. <laughs> right. yeah. That's and, and, and the funny thing is um, I've sort of set myself up and set my world up so that that actually works for me. So I can be... If I'm in the office and I do emails, for example, for an hour and I get crazy computer, I can't do this, mm. then I go out in the gym and do some PR and talk some shit with people or have a coffee with a member or mm-hmm. have a meeting yeah. in the gym or go to a coffee shop for a meeting or whatever else. And if I get tired of that, then I go upstairs and hang out with my production crew, my Arnold Classic crew or my bookkeepers. So I tend to float between all my different divisions yeah. Yeah. each day. And then we've got a warehouse outside that does all our merchandise. So I might go out there and have a cigar with my... Uh, Merchandise guy in the afternoon, and then come back and back into oh, the emails. In the morning. And, That's it. This is in the morning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> That's whiskey. No, not really. We don't drink in the mornings, but um, <laughs> but then I might go back to the computer and do some design work. So I've just got so many different facets, and I'm trying to write some stuff at the moment and mm-hmm. work on some new products. So um, I kind of take on a lot of things so that, that I, I never get bored mm, or, yeah, or anything. Good. Definitely. Just switch it up, and and I need to be busy. I, I hate being idle. I, I can't. I can't do it. Mm. Yeah. No. It's mm. good. So all right, let's Absolutely. let's take it back to into that timeline. So obviously, like uh, <laughs> obviously, like uh, we're sitting. You know in- we actually do need sound effects for the yeah. show. So yeah. if, you, if you want to stick around, we'll just do a couple of recordings. Um, I'll, I'll sing to you about his room again. <laughs> um, so this is the original, uh, the original Doherty's Jimmy. What you were mentioning before the show. So how did it all get started? You were talking about some pretty interesting stuff before we started recording. Like, what was the process like getting your dream of like, having a gym in your name, getting it set up, and 
Well, we've got to go way back. So I actually had a gym in, in Bendigo. I worked at a gym um, and uh, sort of started running it when I was very young. Um, I think I was uh, like 19 when I was pretty much running this gym in Bendigo, which um, was the first one I worked at. And when I was 21, I stupidly um, had an opportunity to buy it and use my parents' house as collateral yeah. and bought it and paid with what I know now, about four times more than what it was actually worth. Mm. And I thought I knew everything I could trust, but it was very, very green. And as a young man, you think you know everything. And I didn't have a fucking clue, but I thought I did. Yeah, yeah. And so I ran it into the ground. And, and in those years, from, I guess, from 21 to 29, I became a complete screwball. So I got sucked into the nightlife. I did all the things that you shouldn't do. Mm-hmm. All the fun stuff. Yeah, yeah. yes, <laughs> yes and no. I mean, I was competing as a, competing as a bodybuilder at the time. And um, started getting pretty good at it. But then, you know, the, the dark side sort of sucked me in. Mm-hmm. And um, I did a lot of things that I'm probably not proud of mm-hmm. in that time. And I became um, very delusional. And what happens with a lot of guys when they get a lot of muscles and they start getting all jacked up, mm. they, they think that defines them. And then you walk around, you sort of have this ego um, where you, you just it, it, it gets the better of you. So I thought I knew everything about business. I didn't have to work hard. Everyone's going to come. Meanwhile, this original gym, which wasn't Doherty's, it was called Plaza Fitness, was getting worse and worse and worse every week and going to shit. Mm. And it got to the stage where when I woke up to myself and got out of this, let's call it a daze that I was in, mm-hmm. I thought, shit, you know, um, I've got less members than when I started. And at the same time, when I bought the gym, there was – two or three gyms in Bendigo. Within two years, there was nine and two more had opened up in my street. This oh, is a town yeah. of 100,000 people. Yep. And here I am driving around in a flash car, um, sticking out my imaginary lats yeah. and, and walking around like a dickhead um, and not actually treating it like a business. And so I was broke. I mean, we didn't go bankrupt, but um, I got to the stage where it was so bad, I couldn't find a way out. And then I was getting depressed and I was sort of, you know, hiding, pushing all the close because when you're having some kind of let's call it a situational depression you push everyone away that's any good for you Mm. and invite all the shit people into your life so what i'd do would be to ignore what was really going on and then just have all these you know addict kind of friends around Mm. and not the right people and 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 i realized that if i kept going like that i was going to fuck up not just my life but my parents who'd gone out on a limb and done everything for me and i'd let them down in everything as it was because I'd, I'd fly, you know, thrown out of school, I didn't go to university, I didn't chose a path that anyone had, but I'd always had this vision mm-hmm. and this dream of being a gym owner and a promoter and a bodybuilder and an international kind of icon in the mm-hmm. sport. And I, mm-hmm. I, I knew that, but I just didn't know how. So um, cut a long story short, there was a, a gym that had opened up across the road and he was going to, um, I got word that his lease was up and he needed a, another building. And, and I went to him and said, look, can we talk? And he said, no, you're like the enemy. We can't talk. I said, well, so you're going broke and I'm going broke. Can we just have a yeah, coffee? Yeah. It took me like two weeks for him to agree to have a coffee. Yeah. Yeah. I still remember the coffee shop. He had a cappuccino and, and so on. And we sat down and I said, look, how about you take over my building? I'll give you all my equipment except for a few pieces I need to go to Melbourne and I'll give you all my members and I won't charge you a cent, but you've just got to honour the memberships because I don't want, you know, mum and dad have got to live here. I don't want to mm. have anyone disadvantaged. If you do that, I'll give you the business that I paid, you know, hundred something thousand dollars for anyway. Yeah. He said, finally, he said, that makes great sense. So he took over my, um, my lease and my equipment and members and so on and I walked away with nothing. And I come to Melbourne basically with a, um, a truckload of broken equipment, um, 
$200,000 debt still against my parents' house and just this big fucking dream. Mm-hmm. And when you said this is the original Doherty's gym, it was actually a little warehouse around the corner. Yes. So we started out with nothing, with no members whatsoever, just mm. zero. But I was running bodybuilding and fitness shows, so I had a kind of a name. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to think, what are we going to call the gym? And I'd, I'd, you know, at that stage, I'd lived in LA for a while and I'd been to the iconic Gold's Gym, World's mm. Gym, Powerhouse Gyms, and, and Nate approached me about buying licenses. And, you know, I, I almost chose one of them, but I just didn't have the capital to even buy the license to do it. Right. And I thought, well, I've kind of made a name for myself, even on a small scale. Yeah. Maybe we'll just try Dell Gym. So we come up with a logo and put up a sign and, you know, fixed up the equipment that I had. It was like a set of dumbbells and a lat pull down machine, a leg press, a hack squat and a bunch of pictures I'd taken at shows that no one had seen. So we built this little thing, and it became this cult place to go. And uh, my great mate, Sonny Schmidt, who was Australia's best pro bodybuilder at the time, had moved back from Los Angeles and came to train with me. So we trained for three Mr. Olympias together, and he won the Masters Olympia and so on. We started to develop a great following where people would come over to watch us train. And I had a couple of breaks training AFL footballers and sporting people and fighters and this and that. And made a bit of a name for myself mm. as a, as a high-level trainer. Mm-hmm. So the gym started to go better. And then having said that, I still wasn't taking a wage. I was homeless, basically, and so on. So we, we outgrew that gym after, I guess, four years and moved here and became Australia's only 24-hour gym at the time. Mm. And everyone said, you're nuts. Yeah. And of course, everything I've ever done, everyone's tried to talk me out of it. So I can't work. You're going to do your balls and blah, blah, blah. And... and um, it's good that people look out for you, but you've got to be able to say, well, thanks for your advice, but I've got this vision and this passion and I'm willing to work harder than anyone. I know I can make this work. And everyone said, no, I want to go to a 24-hour gym. And here we are 20 years later and they're on every fucking yeah. street corner. Yeah. Yeah. So you know that you're right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's, and- um, it's funny you say that. I remember I listened to a, uh, a podcast called How I Built This and it's about stories like you're telling me, like success, people that are in a successful position, but we weren't always successful. We went through a million ups and downs in their stories. And there was an interesting one. Do you know Vice, the documentary filmmakers? Vice, the, the, the company Vice. So Vice, um, Vice, they had one of the founders of Vice was on this show. And he said uh, something to, uh, similar to what you were saying where the, the last thing you want to do... The, the, last, yeah, the last thing you want to do when the chips are down is listen to your closest oh, yeah, fa- friends and family because what they're going to do is that they want to stop the pain. Mm, they yeah. want you to be happy. They want you to... So they want you to fall. And they my want mom, you to be safe. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly, right. Yeah. My mum tells me all the time, every day, mm. stop adventure fit. It's killing you. It's it's wrong. It's it's not working, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, mum, I know you love me. I know you're looking out for me. Shut the fuck up. That's yeah. not happening. You know, because it's, it's those people that are just really looking out for you. Mm. They just want I you hope to you don't say shut the face. fuck up to you, man. I bet you say it softer than that. Yeah, yeah, you just say that for your listeners to mom. sound like a hard man. Yeah, yeah. Here he goes, thanks, mum. Yeah, I love you. Yeah, Butt out, mum. Please, mum. Mum, I agree. I agree. Shut the Yeah, look, I agree. And my dad's been my business partner through all of this year, and he's so many times, oh, God. But, you know, now having done a few things that have worked, now I go to him and goes, well, you've been right the last 10 times. But back then, of course, he's like, mm. oh, God, this kid. Yeah. And, um, you know, when I, when I first started the gym, and I often tell this story, um, I didn't have anything, man. I, I sold – I had one car that I sold to pay a power bill. It was a Jeep, and the power got cut off for like the fourth time in this gym. And people were coming and saying, the power's off again. And I'd make up stories. There's been a car accident, a power <laughs> pole. Yeah. And they go, well, we've heard that before. Yeah. And this one time the power got cut off, and I had no resources to – and one of my – Friends, it was like, oh, I'll take your Jeep and pay your power bill. And I had this 
really cool little four-wheel drive Jeep. It was one of the original ones. And, of course, I had to had to accept that. Mm. And then I had this old Jaguar I was going to do up like a ZZ Top kind of hot rod. I was going to chop oh, it yeah. and crop it. It was like a 67 tank of a thing. Yeah. And I swapped it for a lap pull-down because we needed more equipment. Really? So then here I am. I'm 30 <laughs> years old, $200,000 debt, no cars, yeah. and nowhere to live. Best so, lats in the world, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, you know, at the time, um, I was in pretty good nick, but... Um, you know, I was down and out. It was, it was, in a way, the lowest point of my life. But the great thing about this is I'd woken up to myself. So that mm. when I was in, in this country town, I knew I had to get out and I'd let the ego get the better of me and I'd made bad delusional decisions and so on. This all changed. Mm. And being broke and destitute and, and basically having a gun at your head not to fail is what really, really woke me up and made me. Mm. So then, then when I had nowhere to live, I had, I had three worldly possessions. Apart from a duffel bag full of co- clothes, I had a couch, a rice cooker, and a vertical grill. We both thought you were going to say cocaine there <laughs> in the bag. I, I was getting so excited. I was like, hey, uh, do you still have yeah. that bag? I somewhere? went to Columbia. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So no. everything started going really well for me. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that was the turning point. Yeah, that's right. No, yeah. Not quite. Had a good three hours. So people think that, but it's not the case. Yeah. And, and so what I used to do was... Um, we used to open the gym back then at six in the morning till ten at night. So I'd sleep on the couch at the gym, and I'd get up at, at like five, five fifteen, have a shower at the gym, get out of there before any members arrived, go and buy a coffee um, at McDonald's, and there was a news agent nearby, and I'd get a newspaper and a McDonald's coffee, mm. and it was when they just made that shit jug coffee, oh, yeah. and I'd walk back to the gym. And just so it looked like I'd come from somewhere and I'd talk about the people on the tram and make up the suburb that I lived <laughs> in and all this. But I, in fact, didn't have a, I didn't have a home. Yep. And I'd work through from 6 in the morning till 10 at night, every day of the week. And when I'd close at 10 at night, I'd lock up the gates. There was this big roller door at the gym, lock it up, then go hide in the car park over the road and wait for everyone to leave the area and let myself back in. And the reason I did wow. that is because I wanted to maintain my dignity. Yeah. I didn't want to have to say to anyone or admit it and say, hey, there's a lot worse than what it looks. I'm just like, you know what? No one needs to know that. Mm, yeah. mm. For me, just to hold my head up and be still feel proud, yeah, of course. it's my fault and my doing that I'm in this situation. Mm, yep. So I've got to fight my way out. So I went yep. seven years without a wage. And I was talking to you guys before, mm. is this guy like um, adventure fit paying its way yet? And you say, oh, no, not yet. It's kind of just like a passion. Yeah. Well, that's where I was at. Yeah. And mm. I just stuck it out and outlasted everyone. And when I went into mm. the industry, when I came to Melbourne, I realised that I didn't have an education. So everyone that went into the business against me was going to be more educated. I didn't have money behind me. In fact, I had a huge debt. So anyone with money was ahead of me. And it's probably way smarter people. So I thought, okay, so what can I do that they can't do? And I thought I can just outwork and outlast them. Mm. So I have. So mm. there's been so many gyms have come and gone or mm. tried to take us on over that time or tried to put us out of business, whatever. And um, I've just sort of said, well, this, I, I think in building a business, you have to know your brand. Mm. And we've been very, very specific about what Doherty's Gym is. Mm. And I can sit there and talk for another hour about what our brand is. But we're very, very specific. And I guess we kind of get the 5% of people that no one else wants. Yes. And it's like a home away from home. And we've built a place where it's a highlight of people's day. And I say to the staff all the time, and I've got a lot of staff now, a lot of business and so on, I always say to the staff, don't ever judge people when they come in in a bad mood because you don't know what they've gone through to get to the gym. But know this, it's a highlight of their day. Yeah. And mm-hmm. if they're suffering um, a, a mental um, disorder, if they're in a job that they hate, if they're in a relationship that sucks, if they're being bullied at school or work or university or whatever, whatever's going on, they're thinking, 
when I get to the gym, when I get to Doherty's gym and lift up that weight and punch that punching bag and do that particular stretch, everything's going to be okay. Mm. Mm. So just understand you're the highlight of someone's day. And I say to people in the fitness industry when I do my public speaking all the time, do you realise there's not many jobs in the world where people actually look forward to seeing you? Absolutely. You know, if you work in a bank or at, at the, the um, roads department or the tax department or all these office places, you sit under fluorescent lights and no one looks forward to seeing yeah, you. Yeah. So think how empowered you are the highlights oh, almost huge. so I've always loved this industry yeah, and even to sure. this day um, I love what I do I can't wait to get to the gym in the morning I, I, I love this place I love mm. all of my gyms and in fact when I travel I always find like a real gym I don't want to go to a, a mainstream fitness and I always just yes. find a, a, a grungy kind of gym yeah, where best, people yeah. hang out and I, I love it so that's 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 how it yeah. all got started so, it's, um, yeah. it's it's interesting you, you ah. talk about the, the community side of it because like it's really like a I've heard it referred to gyms as the third place People need, or it's really healthy for people to have a third place. And mm. that might be, so obviously home and work are you too. And like yep. you say, a lot, of the time, yep. a lot of the time, then they're, they're not going to be, they might not be great. You might have just had a, a child. I've got a mate who's going through a divorce at the moment. Yep. He's, he's a young dude, you know, like his whole life's changed. His home life isn't happy and, he, and he's stressed at work. So mm. he has a football club, you know, right. he's a, he's a yeah, passionate exactly, football yeah. player. So that's his third place. Yeah. And that's the one place that he can go to. He knows he's got, 50 mates when he walks in there, they're all got a smile on their face. It's all banter. There's no, yeah. you know, no and that's judgment. What you, it's a, it's that's a, what this it's totally is. Totally right. Yeah. yeah. It's that. And it's, it's, um, it, it might be the thread that holds someone's life together. You don't yeah. know how, how close to the edge someone is or they don't go off the deep end, except because they can come and, and release their tensions and get their endorphins going, feel good about themselves in a place where they're accepted, not judged for an hour or two a day. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, so we've built this culture where members actually use their membership. So our retention rate's really, really high. And we mm. do everything that the fitness industry says um, won't work, we do. And everything that yeah. their, their manual of how to get members we've never used. And we just do everything off the books. We've never done discount. We've never done mainstream advertising. We've never sat in fucking shopping centers and lied to people <laughs> with a spinning wheel that they've won a prize. Yeah. We're just real, you know. And it's not necessarily a hardcore gym. In fact, when you walk out there, half the people training are mums and dads and business people who want to be around real people. They're sick mm. of that wank yep. that the industry tends to be. Definitely. You know? Yep, absolutely. That's interesting. Let's go. So how did um, you actually start well, where did your passion for bodybuilding begin, essentially? Um, it's a funny thing because it's like one of these full circle kind of stories. So um, when I was a kid, you know, I loved footy and all this sort of thing. And uh, just like your, your regular sports and I used to, back then, you know, of course, your mum never drove you to school or to footy practice. and Everyone had a push bike. Mm. It was a different world because, you know, every, car, every family only had one car and mm-hmm. money wasn't plentiful. Yeah, we weren't dirt poor or anything, but you know, my dad. Did you have like a ZZ Top sort of car? Or? <laughs> now, yeah, well, I, back in the day, I've got I collect um, motorcycles, and I've got a hot rod. I'll show you after that. Oh, I've, got yeah. some, I've got some cool shit now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm keen for that bag of cocaine. To be honest with you, mate. But uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, where was I? Yeah, I got too excited. Uh, passion for bodybuilding. Oh, so how it started? So when I was, I guess, about to turn fourteen, I think. Um, I was just like a chubby kid, um, you know, and there was no, you know, your mum didn't know anything about nutrition. There was no, um, you know, uh, life get into it or any tick for the heart foundation or any um, uh, focus on mm. low sugar, low, they just didn't know, yeah. you know, so you'd have chops and mash and chips <laughs> and fish yeah. and fish and chips and bread and butter and Vegemite. It was just stock kind of food. Yeah, yeah. yeah straight It was a t- typical Australian <laughs> country family, you know. Yes. And I was a kind of chubbyish kid. Um, but, uh, you know, I was sort of getting into, I guess, puberty and I wanted to feel good about myself. 
And I was watching TV one night, and I, I, I never forgot this, and I talk about this all the time at my seminars, and this guy came on, and it was Arnold. Mm. And I was sitting there watching with my dad, and I go, Dad, what, what's that? And they talk about light bulb moments. This is the moment that changed my life. Mm. And I said, what's that? He goes, oh, he's a bodybuilder. And I said, what's that? And Dad said, well, they build up their muscles. I go, what, what the hell is that in his arm? And Dad goes, that's a vein. And Arnold has these big <laughs> hoses down his arm. You know, I'm like, wow. And I'm like, so can you look like that? Can anyone look like that? And Dad's yeah. like, yeah, well, I guess if you, you know, do your research and go mm. along to the gym and, you know, clean up your eating, obviously, and yeah. lose a bit of weight and build up your muscles, of course you can. Um, I'm like, I'm like, why doesn't everyone? If you can look like that, why doesn't everyone look like that? Mm. Like, if you could have that vehicle as your car in life to get around, why wouldn't you do whatever it takes to look like him? Mm. But it wasn't just his body; it was this guy's charisma oh, yeah. and confidence. And here's mm. a guy with broken English who believed himself so great that he's on. It was like the Mike Walsh show. He'd come out to do this variety show to launch a book, and the book was called "The Education of a Bodybuilder" by Arnold Schwarzenegger. And went back to mum and dad. I said, "There's a couple of things we need to talk about." One Christmas, my birthday's coming up. All I want's that book. Please find me that book. That's <laughs> yeah. all I want. And after that, I don't want any pocket money. I don't want any help. I'm going to do. I've, I've, I've got it. Mm. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a bodybuilder. And and a year later, I'm not going to be a bodybuilder, a gym owner, and a promoter. And mm. I knew that back then. And I'd, wow. I'd go to the headmaster at school and promote socials. So we were at a boys' school. I'd go to the girls' school and I'd put on a night and I'd sell tickets at the door and right. sly grog out the back and <laughs> yeah, exactly. raid yeah. the tuck shop and all this kind of thing. So I've always had this kind of, girls out the back. <laughs> I'd always had this kind of promotional brain. And then I fell in love with the gym culture. And um, so I bought. I got this Arnold the Encyclopedia of Bodybuilder, and I collect stuff. As you can see, I've got everything in my life I've ever impacted me, except that book, because I read it so many times it fell to pieces. And I lost <laughs> yeah. it along the way somewhere. Yeah. But that was it. Was just this light bulb, um, and it's funny because a lot of people are really lost, and I do a lot of mentoring work, and a lot of people just don't know what they want. Mm. And there's so much pressure on kids. Like my oldest, my son's 15, and I never bust his balls about, oh, what do you want to do? What do you want to achieve? What do you want to be when you grow up? Because mm. I fucking hated it. I was mm. like, I don't know, man, I'm a kid. I just yeah. want to have some fun. And, yeah. You know? Plenty of time to work that out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Get fit, get a root. Mm -hmm. yeah, exactly. Just learn how to live. Just get, normal. Get another root. Exactly. Just, just normal young boy, you know, yeah, yeah. teenage boy stuff. Yeah. Yes. And um, I was always under this incredible pressure. Oh, you know, if you don't go to university, you're a failure. I'm like, Arnold didn't go to university. And, yeah. Well, actually, he did, as I found out many years later. He did business school and all this different stuff. But, um, and I'd look at successful people in the world and say, well, they're not all super educated. Some mm. of them just went out and figured it out. So um, I didn't continue with school. I um, straight away joined a gym. And then uh, I remember in 1980, the Olympics had been on, and I was going to the YMCA. So we joined a fitness gym, just learned a little bit. I was still at school. But then I sort of started getting serious. I guess I was 15. And we joined the, um, me and my best mate joined the YMCA and the Olympics had been on. There's a funny story. We were watching the weightlifters and I said to him, oh, we should try some of those Olympic lifting. Yeah. He goes, yeah, right, you go first. I was, by this stage, I'm a big solid kid. I think it was like 90 kilos when I was 15. So Shit. we put a, a plate on each side of the thing, which would have been like a 45 pound plate on the mm -hmm. old thin bars yeah. and put the collars on. And I lifted up to my chest, like, yeah, I got this, you yeah. know. And then what I had in those Olympics, they put one leg back and they do like this dip squat and split squat. So no jerk, idea. Split jerk, yeah. Yep. All that. Mm -hmm. All I just saw the bit where they push it up. So I pushed it up. I go backwards, land bad like this. The weight goes like this. And I snap both bones off <laughs> in both, both wrists. <laughs> One's come through the skin. I'm like, oh. Oh. Did, I get course, the did you get the rep? <laughs> well, uh, well, uh, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. It, did, it did go up and then I, over, the, <laughs> yeah. over I went. 
And then, of course, there was no mobile phones, so my mate had to run off and call an ambulance <laughs> and so on. I was fucked. Yeah. Anyway, and this is where it all started. So, you know, I get to the doctor, I went to the local <laughs> hospital and they patched me up and in the meantime, I've pushed him back into place because you can't feel any playing. <laughs> ah! <laughs> and um, so I've got plaster from here to here. Oh. So, because this is uh, not visual, so it's from my, from my hand up to my bicep. Yeah. Both arms in plaster. I'm 15. It's not a good thing. Definitely not a good you thing. You know, mum's got to help you wash and all this kind of thing. There's nothing you can do. Mum's helping you jack off. <laughs> <laughs> she was good like that. Um, yeah, right. She's looking uh, lovely, mate. <laughs> I've rolled my mum. Yeah, that's right. Mum, yeah. <laughs> my mum's yeah. Yeah, still off the uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hope she never hears this. Anyway, um, but, you know, look, and as it was, I was a pretty rebellious kid, so I got into a lot of trouble mm. because, you know, kids see leaving the scene of the crime with both arms in plaster was a small country town that kind of narrowed it down <laughs> a little bit for them. So I got a heap of trouble. I won't go into that. But anyway, um, where I'm heading with that is at the hospital, the first thing that the doctor that patched me up said, well, you know, he asked me how I did it. I told him, he said, well, there'll be no more lifting weights. You'll never do that again. You have to find something else. I'm like, fucking dickhead. Yeah, yeah. You're probably an intern or something. What would you know? So, you know, eight weeks later or something, I had to go get the plaster off of whatever it was, 10 weeks. I went to see the local GP. He'd been my doctor all my life. I thought, he'll be all right. Mm. You know, I talked to him. First thing he said, he said, well, that's it. No more weight training. You can never do this again. And I thought, really? There's got to be a way you can build up your strength in your wrists and forearms. I just refused to accept yeah. it. Mm. And this has been the story of my life, that when people say I can't do something, I just t- tend to really dig in. Mm. And so I thought, not only will I get my arms better and lift weights again, I'm going to make a living out of it. I'm going to be really good at it. I'm mm. going to build this unbelievable body. Um, and... And I'm going to do it. Mm. And it probably made me want to do it even more than mm. before. Proven wrong. Yeah. Absolutely. So, um, no. Well, yes, at the time. But um, I'll show you some of the stuff when I do my seminars. And I've got these like poster things with sort of my, my quotes and sayings. And one of them is, don't do it to prove them wrong. Do it to prove yourself right. Mm-hmm. And it's probably only the last five years I finally worked it out. Yep. That all my life I wanted to prove people wrong. You know what I worked out? And you guys, I hope you can learn from this. Mm. The people that you want to prove wrong hate your guts and don't give a fuck. Mm. And when you prove them wrong, they just come up with some other shit and go, oh, well, he got lucky. Yeah, or yeah. fucking someone gave him a loan or he got kissed on the dick or fucking, you know, that's only because he met Arnold or it's only because, you know, he's in the right place at the right time. Mm. And they just continue to hate. So you mm. haven't proved them wrong after all. Yeah, yeah. All you've done is turn them into worse fucking enemies because your success reflects their lack of success. Yes, correct. So yes. what you have to do is fuck that. Don't do anything ever to prove anyone wrong. Do it to prove yourself right. Because when you do it to prove yourself right, you have this enormous sense of achievement. Yeah. It's great for your self-esteem. It's great for your confidence. And then you know when you achieve this, then you can achieve that. And little things become big things. Mm. So this has been my mantra all my life mm. is, is just to, to take on undoable tasks that everybody writes off and then say, all right, well, let me show you what I can do. Mm. And it's, that's been basically the, the guts of the story. I'm mm. literally full bar right now. Like I'm, I'm up and about. Chubbed? Yeah, I'm very, very much chubbed right now. I want to go and do something. <laughs> Just give me two minutes. Yeah, no, that's um, that's awesome. Because really, at the end of the day, like you don't want to, you want to have drive and you want to have things that motivate you and push you forward. And yeah. if you have to use external circumstances for that, but you also don't want to dwell on it you don't want to be like oh I really care what this person thinks you, like mm. you say you want to just care about yourself yeah, yeah you know, definitely. Definitely. most important thing so you can see where you're coming self-worth from self-worth and self-belief yeah. yeah and it's like when I when I did the first 24 hour gym I'd already been broken hadn't had a wage for mm. four years at that stage and finally got some members finally started to break even I'm like We've got to change it up. Mm. We've got to get a building three times bigger, which was four times more rent. Mm. We're going to be the first 24-hour gym in Australia to put staff on. It was like starting all over again. 
and everybody said it can't be done. Mm. There's only one or two people in my life believed it. Everyone, bank manager, accountant, everyone goes, oh, who's going to go in the middle of the night? And I'm like, do you want a list? Yeah. I've, mm. I've thought about this. I don't stop thinking. I don't sleep. I just think and think and think. Mm. Still to this day, I'm just like, I don't stop. Mm-hmm. So like, well, who's going to train at night? Um, strippers, Shift bouncers, workers. police, yeah, emergency yeah. workers, casino workers, um, uh, hospitality people that finish at two in the morning, taxi drivers mm. and airport workers and so on and so on. It's demand. And, and, and people that, that work in factories that are on split shifts. And I, yeah. just, I could go for 10 minutes yeah. about who's going to train at night. And my point was, it doesn't matter whether they do or don't, we can get our cleaning done at that time and people will join because they can. Mm-hmm. Even people that work during the day go, wow, you know, sometimes I start at six and I get to go to the gym, but because you never shut, we can come in at four. And people say, we're well, going to shut Christmas and you're going to go, fuck it. Mm. Because the people that come here need this place. Mm-hmm. And Christmas Day, for example, is the loneliest day in the world if you don't have a family, you're not religious, yeah. or you're living out of town. So from, um, it's, we're in our 18th year. And we've opened every Christmas day. Mm. It's one of our busiest days because all the people that don't fit in haven't got anywhere to go. They go, you know, at least I know, at least I know Doherty's will be open. Yeah, I've got my mates oh, to tell you, man. Yeah. And, and someone will be there it's with perfect. a smiling face. And, yeah. You know, oh, and, 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 and so I've always done what's right. And yes. not just And financially you say, well, shit, you could close this night and you could maybe not open Christmas Day. And I'm like, no, no, no. Mm. Uh, that's if you're driven by that you don't get it mm-hmm. so we when mm. so I have this ritual now when I open a 24 hour gym I throw the keys away and I literally the first day I opened here we'd been working day and night to get this place finished because we did it with nothing we didn't have any money we didn't have a budget we got the members to loan trailers and cars and trucks to bring the equipment from the other gym to here and to roll the rubber out and to do all this kind of stuff we had nothing and um, I remember I burnt everyone out trying to get it finished because I said once we open there's no turning back I'll never forget, I got here at six in the morning and one of the girls that worked for me put a ribbon on the door and hung a pair of scissors there to have the opening ceremony. I said, everyone be there at six. We're going to open, have this speech and that's it. Mm. So I rocked up, there's fucking no one here, just me. <laughs> and I thought, I'm going ahead with this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I said, well, everyone, thanks for coming. I'd just like to de- declare Doherty's gym officially open. Yeah. We'll never close the doors again. And I cut the ribbon and I threw the keys over into that car park. Oh, really? Honest that's to God. Hilarious. Honest to God. And, Do you know where they are specifically? I may as well. What happened? Well, it doesn't matter because the yeah. door doesn't shut. Yeah. And then f- about six, seven years ago, we had to replace the front doors. And the guys are like, here's the key. I go, fuck it, stick it. I don't want it. Yeah. what's wrong with no, no, it's, it's an omen now get yeah, rid of it. Yeah, yeah. Get and then when we from. opened Doherty's gym in the city in the railway vaults we threw we had a thing and my partner Alistair threw the keys into the Yarra River <laughs> and we don't shut yeah. no matter what happens yeah, that's great. mayhem natural disasters mm. roadblocks it doesn't we don't shut yeah yeah that's it that's, that's classic so, so do you know what I find so interesting about it is that like we, we touched on it before but you were 14, 15 and you, you said you had that light bulb moment for some people it takes ages to, to find out what they really want to do because yeah. I feel like I feel like motivation for me like I, when I was growing up I always wanted to play AFL and I always wanted to do all this sort of thing I thought like AFL would would get me what I wanted like money and chicks and all this sort of stuff but it was only maybe the last couple of years that I was like I found you know the podcast and good mates and doing all this sort of stuff and this is what I really want to do and I feel like when you find what you really want to do that passion just comes with it that unrelenting um, drive to succeed because it, it's you, if you want to make your vacation your vocation you just want to work as hard as you can to do it but right. what do you say to, to people that maybe they're they're on this track and they're, they're constantly falling off the bandwagon and all this sort of stuff. Is it, is it, do you think it's hard to find your, your thing that you really want to do? Because it, was, it, was, yep, it almost seemed quite, question. quite easy for you in a sense. Well, um, yeah. only because I just had this, always had this self-belief. But yeah, yeah. Um, what I try and say to people when I say to my kids, 
is find what you love doing and then work out how to make a living out of it. Like, mm. And if someone's thinking about going into a business or changing jobs or whatever, I always say if it keeps you awake at night and you wake up thinking about it and you can't think about anything else, it's for you. Mm. And if you can find something that you look forward to doing every day, you never work a day in your life. Yeah, mm. absolutely. So I'm still like a kid going to the gym. I'm like, I can't believe this. Look what I get to do every day. Yeah. I love it. And I think if – well, it's funny because I had a long conversation with Arnold about this um, somewhere where this year, I think it was in Africa. And we were talking, I was talking about some of the stuff I do with my talks and this and that. And, and we always talk about how many people are miserable and don't enjoy what they do. Mm. He said, when he was governor, they did some kind of survey in California. And it was 74, 75% of Californians hate their job. Mm. That's, one in, that's three out of four people mm-hmm. gets out of bed mm. loathing and seething every fucking day of their life. And so Can't if I'm mentoring that. or helping someone, I'm saying, don't do that. Don't yeah. be that... That's 75%. Be the 25%. And it's not just about money. Mm. And when I do these talks, I always say to people, why is there more people in therapy that are absolutely minted and loaded with tons of money than poor people? Mm. It's not because they can afford it. It's because they thought they'd be happy when. Mm. And if you think, I'll be happy when I've got a Porsche, I'll be happy when I've got a hot missus, I'll be happy when I've got the house on the hill, I'll be happy when I've got a million dollars in the bank. No, you fucking won't. You'll be happy when you enjoy the journey. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then when you get there, it's even better. Yes. But if you think that this point in your life is suddenly going to make you happy and you're miserable and hate what you do, but it doesn't matter because it pays good, you poor fucker, you're going to end up in therapy. Yeah. You know, or you're going to be a miserable, twi- twisted, bitter fuck who just looks down other people and judge. It's, it's just not where it's at. Yeah, exactly. And, and, yeah. and in, in travelling with Arnold and some of the people I've now been exposed to, mm. I've met some very, very successful people. And the ones who are really good at it, just glow because they love what they do mm. and some of them make some serious money I've been fortunate enough now to rub shoulders with some billionaires and some highly successful people in all kinds of different industries yeah. and you see each one of them has just got this burning passion alright guys just a quick break in proceedings to talk about uh Quash Creative and Audible, our sponsors for today. So Quash Creative guys are an Elwood-based design firm and they are amazing for anything that is uh, that is creative that you need in your business, whether it's graphic design, whether whether it's... Uh, whether it's are you filming me? Yeah, <laughs> oh, I'm on TV. But um, whether it's uh, aud- whether it's Audible, whether it's um, whether it's graphic design, whether it's audio-based, whether it's uh, a website, Quash Creative will do it all. That's our friend Sean Marsh. Our intro to this podcast, which we absolutely love, was put Ooh, yes. together by Marshy. And uh, if you go to quashcreative.com.au and uh, quote radio when you uh, when you speak to the guys there, they'll give you a free SEO report. Or a report on the base on the uh, on the existing brand that you have and help to go forward with that. We're also brought to you by Audible, guys. Audible is an audio book warehouse and an app that you have on your phone. It's the most amazing app of all time. In the last, uh, let's say, four days, uh, no, no, in the last week, sorry, that's a lot. In the last week, I have finished the inevitable by Kevin Kelly, one of our guests that we uh, that we hosted last week. You guys won't have heard it yet. Um, you may have I'm not sure I don't think you will have uh, so that show's coming up but I've also gone through of recent 10% Happier by Dan Harris Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink Start With A Why by Simon Sinek this has all been in the last maybe six weeks so I'm always reading a book and I'm always audibling a book as well so I'm always getting uh, as much information you in get as your I can. feed in mate you get your knowledge get my knowledge in and uh, getting better and more knowledgeable and more um, well read as a person I think it's very important so Humas Humas Kwabati and uh, I also think that um, you guys should do it too. So head to audibletrial.com forward slash ADVF radio. You'll get one yes. free audiobook and 30 days free trial for their service. And uh, here's back to the show. 
It's like the yeah. uh, it's basically the conversation we're having last night about about yeah. money. With we it had was, a financial yeah. friend of ours kind of come on last night. We went into this deep conversation about the like the lack of money. So if you're if you're at a very uncomfortable state with money, you mm. don't have enough, then that can be a really negative impact on your life. Yes, but once you get to a a comfortable, relatively comfortable position, then no matter how much money you have, it's yeah. not going to be. It's, it's not going to mean you're twice as happy, three times happy. You're not going to be. It's just you're at a comfortable position. So then. Build everything around exactly. you to make your life you know, something yeah. that you enjoy. Part yeah. of that kind of sucks balls, what you're saying, because nothing is what you're saying. Mm. But having travelled as much as I have, yeah. it's made me realize that everybody here in Australia has got a sense of entitlement. And they think, oh, yeah, but I deserve to fucking have three square meals and have a comfortable house and nice furniture and a luxury car. Yet, if you've got $20 in your pocket, you're in the top 10% of wealthy people in the world. Yeah. Isn't that insane? Yeah. You just stop and think about it. Yeah. In India, yeah. there's 1.3 to 1.5 billion people. Yeah. Right? In Australia, we've got 23 million. In China, there's 1.5 billion, they estimate at the moment. Mm. Just stop and think about those numbers mm. and what a tiny fucking speck we are in this absolute beautiful country where the standard of living is the best in the world. Melbourne is the best city in the world to live in. Mm. Trust me, I've been everywhere. Mm. There's nothing like it. Mm-hmm. But people here don't travel. Mm. So they've got a sense of entitlement. They think, oh, yeah, but now we're going, you know, the government, these taxes, fuck it. Come on, man. If you've got mm. a roof over your head and warm food in your belly every day, you're, well. you're, you're actually doing well. Yeah, that's right. Because we're brought up with a certain standard, and I get all that, but some of the happiest people I've seen, and, and this is another story of Mr. Storyteller over here, but... Um, <laughs> When I've, I've been to India several times and I always um, have made an effort to visit a slum while I'm there. And mm-hmm. I remember the first time I was in Mumbai and I had this driver. It's it kind of crazy because I'm staying in this seven-star hotel, which was just one of the best hotels I've ever stayed in the world, the Taj Hotel in, in Mumbai, just near the arch. And out of one window, you see the arch and the ocean. The other one, you see all the beautiful buildings. Mm-hmm. On the other side, there's one of the biggest slums in the world. Mm-hmm. And I'm driving around and showed me all these temples and historical landmarks and all this. Is there anything else you want to see? And I said, look, I'd love to go into a slum if it's not belittling for the people. I don't want to be like Tony the tourist and go and take pictures of the poor people. Yeah, but yeah. I'd like to just to feel it. Yeah, he goes, sure. Oh, he said, I live in a fantastic slum. He goes, it's, it's one of the best slums in all of India. He said, um, we've got running water. He said, our family, I've got... Um, three boys and a wife and he said and uh, we share a toilet with just 10 other families he said we've got power and he was so proud and he goes you know um, and I work at this seven star hotel and so there was I remember we're driving past this big apartment building and it had trees growing out of the side of it and fucking sheets and material and tree roots it was just it was like a housing commission that had been sandblasted with mud and trees growing out it was the most fucked yeah. building I've ever seen I said, yeah. Yeah. so if you worked your ass off could you, could you, you know, because you, you're getting, you know, I think I gave him a $100 tip. I go, obviously, you're way better than financially than the other people in the slum. Mm. Could you get out of there and maybe buy a house one day? He goes, not in a million years. And I pointed to this worst apartment I've ever seen. What about a place like that? Could you get a, an apartment there? He goes, not in all of my lifetime, not in my father's lifetime, my time or my children's lifetime. Could I ever do that? He said, all I can do in making more money is send my children to a better school. He goes, do you know how lucky my boys are? They get to travel two hours to go to a better school. So they, they walk down a dirt track 20 minutes to wait for a bus. They go two hours to school. And this is seven, eight, nine-year-old kids. Yeah. Who'd, imagine them here. They'd be in the four-wheel drive getting dropped off at the door. Mum yeah. would be bitching because she's mm-hmm. 100 metres from where the gate is. Mm-hmm. These kids go on a dirt track through a slum to a bus, travel two hours each way with good traffic. So four hours a day on a bus 
just to mm-hmm. have a chance at getting a better education. And here's this guy glowing. Anyway, long story short, he said, that's my slum, but it's too far away. So I'll take you to my friend's slum. It's just around the corner. So he took me deep into this slum. He introduced me to the, you know, the, the heads of the slum. They've got little stores in there, little shops. And of course, I bought some stuff for my girls, blah, blah, blah. And what I saw was some of the happiest, richest people I've ever known. Mm. You know, they're, they're glowing and smiling. They're proud of it. Look at my room. And, you know, I'm saying to this guy, well, you know, you live in a slum and you've got three kids. What do you have, like a bedroom and a bathroom? He just laughed at me. He goes, yep. no, we've got one room. That's the kitchen, lounge room and bedroom. My yep. three sons, my wife, we're doing better than most. Like. Yeah. And it just stuck with me. And I always, you know, just... It's all relative, isn't it? It's all relative. This is what we don't get here. Of yeah. course. People go, oh, yeah, and it's important to have a certain um, standard of living. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're born into an entitled society. Exactly, yeah. And when you travel a little bit and just sort of say, well, shit, I don't even know what it's like to be hungry. And no. I thought I'd been broke. Yeah. Mm. You know, yeah. I thought I knew what it was like to be down and out. Come on, man. No idea. At least in Australia or in the US, if you have a dream and, and you believe in yourself and you work your fucking ass off, yep. you can change your life and be anything you want to be. Yep. If you're born into that or in a village in China, it doesn't matter how hard you work mm. or name 10 other countries, you're never going to break out of mm. that no matter what. Mm. So think about what mm. a great opportunity. And people say, oh, yeah, but, you know, so-and-so is lucky. Yeah, everyone, not- everyone here is lucky. Yeah. Everyone here is in a position to succeed. Yeah. So I've just always known this stuff. I'm like, okay, well, I'm not going to – I didn't buy what they were selling me for. When I was a little kid and they told me I should be an accountant or work in a bank or get a degree, I'm not, I'm not buying that. What mm. a fucking boring life. We're yeah, going to sit ass. in an office mm. and, and work for someone else. So yeah. I've, I've always worked for myself. I've yeah. never really had a job interview or mm-hmm. done a resume or anything. And I've known it since I was a kid. Mm. So mm. I don't know if that's um, how I was wired or whatever else, but to me it's not even confusing. It's just mm. like, okay. But then, so well, you're really good. You're always helping people. I believe that everybody has the right to experience that. So I try and share that and think there's enough for everyone. And if someone's got a bright brightness about them and they're not buying into all that and they don't fit in, that's fine. Yeah. Because the world now with what you guys are doing and with the internet and with um, Instagram and some of these vehicles Porn that are hub, now- obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, but with some Absolutely. of these vehicles that are now available, mm. you can create a whole new life that wasn't, even it oh, didn't exist 10 years ago. Absolutely. There's so many different ways now to make a buck, to find what you love doing, how mm. to promote yourself and build your brand. So mm. it's, it is, it's, it is, it's absolutely insane. That was a rant, to press wasn't it? we start with yeah. that? I, uh, I really... Success psychologists. Mate, yes. I, I couldn't agree more. That, yeah. that, this is why with the travel thing, and you're somebody that obviously has traveled all over the world, like you said, travel to put things into perspective for people, like I think travel is the number one key to doing that. No doubt. My brother's eight years younger than me and I started traveling when I was kind of 24. I did a six-month trip through South America and I came back a different person. Mm. And the one example I'll use is I remember walking past um, in Bolivia, walking past an old lady who was sitting on the, on the cold. Bolivia's cold as fuck. It's the highest capital city in the world, absolutely freezing on the po- poverty line basically. And there was a lady that was sitting there selling handmade handicrafts to people walking on the street and she... Um, served it up to me mister mm. mister I said no no thanks no gracias no gracias and I kept walking and I turned back and the lady reminded me of my grandmother my grandma's got lots of money lives in a nice little apartment warm air condition like always eats the best food so Kill on and so it. forth 
This lady was sitting on the cold concrete street in Bolivia, mm. like selling, trying to make you know twenty cents here, twenty cents yeah, there yeah. to keep yep. herself, keep herself on. About she was seventy years old, and that one thing was the thing that sparked it for me. This this thought of like, fuck, how fucking lucky are we? So when my brother turned yeah, eighteen, I got him to stoke his passion for travel, so he would mature quicker and younger than I did. I got him for his eighteenth birthday was a list of eight places he could choose to travel to, and I would travel with him. And then my brother's gone on to be like. He's got the same right, mindset. Yeah, and he's just a mature... So where, where did he choose? I knew know? exactly where he chose. So I gave him South Africa, Safari, Japan, Snow, um, New Zealand. Um, uh, what's it called? Um, hiking in New Zealand. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I gave him eight really diverse, so on and so forth, diff- different options. And I had surfing in Indonesia. And we grew up on the Moines Peninsula, Tony, right next right. to Ryback Beach. And my brother, I can surf, but I'm not a surfer. My brother's a surfer, right. like lives exactly. and breathes it. So I yeah. put it on there. I'm like, fuck, should I just leave Bali off? Because <laughs> yeah, he's going he's to pick it. And then I put it out there. And I, I thought about it for about probably a some second. Time. <laughs> <laughs> some seconds, time. Yeah. yeah. And then we went to Indonesia and whatever. But I... Um, yeah, I think it's great to be able to tell these stories more yeah. on the podcast because people, like you say, in Australia, especially America, we've got a lot of American listeners. Yeah. Americans are even more crazy than Australia and they just mm. they have a great country and 52 states they can travel to, but they don't they don't step out of their own America's country to see so the world. America's so interesting. Yeah. Like of all the places I travel, I love the US. I never want to live there. But I want to go live in the US. I go, really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, you're already in the best place in the world. But you know, there's some, some, it can be a really, really hard place to live because of the lack of social welfare. I mean, here, mm-hmm. if you're lazy, they give you the dole. If you're just hopeless and can't find somebody to live, they'll eventually give you somewhere to live. You get free medical and so yeah, on. Yeah. Free in the States, man, you get 90 days of welfare and then you hustle. Yeah. You know, you're sitting on a street corner, you know, and when that um, global recession hit a few years ago, mm-hmm. I remember I was in Santa Monica and I'd never seen so many well-dressed people um, with a backpack mm-hmm. you know, that were homeless because they'd just lost everything because they're their house was suddenly worth half of what it was worth and the bank said, well, now you owe more than what we could ever get for it, so we're foreclosing and you're out. You know, yeah. it, was, it, was, it was really sad to see. Um, but the, it's like 52 different countries. Yeah. It really is. And, uh, you know, I always enjoy visiting there. But yeah, it's a hard place to live too. It's mm-hmm. certainly a hard place to, to make a living, but you can, you can succeed. I mean, mm-hmm. once again, look at Arnold. He went there with, you know, English is a second language, a long surname, overdeveloped muscles. Yeah, and, a long surname. And, 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 and said, I'm going to be the best bodybuilder in the world. I'm going to be the highest paid actor, a leading man, not yeah. a bit part. And, and, and if I can't be president, I'll be governor of the biggest <laughs> state. Not and, at all. And, yeah. And California is in the top 10 economies in the world. Yeah, yeah exactly. And yeah. I ran it for eight years. I mean, just think about that and how many people said it can't be done. Yeah. And he always says, don't listen to the naysayers. Just mm-hmm. don't. Don't buy into it. Mm-hmm. So having him in my ear now the last three years, constantly six, eight times a year, it's been um, uh, life-changing. Really. Well, yeah, see, this sure. is one of the reasons why I love the show so much as well. It's like singing and, and talking shit. And I mean, there's just so much content for me um, as, a, as a person trying to, you know, take a leaf out of your book and take a leaf out of all these people's book. Is it like... We're constantly interviewing people that have achieved success in their own life, and it's it's just amazing, like the common commonality in what you know people like yourself say. It's just like this unrelenting drive to success, whatever it is, and it's just like you know you hear about it as a kid going, oh, you know, you know, if you if you strive hard and you achieve and all this sort of stuff, but it's true, it's literally true. Like mm. if you don't, if you know exactly what what it is you want to do, and you know, well, you can bring it back into little tasks and how to get there. You can't possibly fail yeah you know? success leaves a lot of clues so yeah you're going to be the people that you have coffee with you know if mm. you hang around with scumbags and losers and people that are very negative guess what yeah if you hang around with people that are what you want to be then it rubs off on you and, mm. and, and i've really learned that the last few years 
I always have three words, which is passion, vision, and action. Mm-hmm. So you've got to have a passion for what you do. Otherwise, you're a slave to someone else, and you're going to just find one day that you can't do it because you're not motivated. Motivation's fake. Mm. So you've got to have passion. And you've got to have vision. You've got to have vision without being delusional. You've got to say, okay, well, I've got this great passion to be or whatever, but is that market already oversaturated? What's my point of difference? You've got to have a clear vision of how you can make it. Otherwise, yeah. you're just a dreamer. Yes. All right? And there's a big difference between being a go-getter and just having a dream because mm. a dream's nothing until you take action. So mm-hmm. you've got passion, you've got vision. And action means start today. Yeah. Yep. And we say, worry about what you can do, not what you can't do. Mm. Now go back to those days in the, my first gym in Brunswick when I was broke. And I mean, as I said, no wages, no members, no nothing. So what I'd do when I couldn't afford a treadmill because I had no treadmills or anything like that or a leg press or something I dearly wanted and craved and the members needed, well, I can't have $2,000 to buy that. It's going to take me two months or three months. But I can afford a can of paint. It's 80 bucks. So I'd always be painting walls and I'd move equipment around every day and I'd change things and I'd move the pitches to different spaces. So whenever anyone walked in, it looked like I was doing something. Yeah. Now, fuck, this guy's always putting into the gym. He's always doing something. And that's why when I showed you guys around the gym before, I go, oh, Sorry, it's not finished yet. And I've been doing <laughs> yeah, it for yeah, yeah. This, this building for 20 years. Yeah. And I'm always happy but never satisfied. Yes. And if you have that, you think just got to stay ahead because if you don't stay still, you don't get hit. Mm. <laughs> it's spot on. It's great. It is spot on. More questions. Yeah. Come on, listen. Yeah. I'm, no, I'm, I'm starting I'm, to wake up and have a bit of fun now. I'm literally full bar. <laughs> 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 I'll get rid of it. It's great. So, so what other tips for, like, for creating what you've created here? You've created a brand. You, you've, you've created your own personal brand, but the brand Doldy's Gym is, is like you say, world-renowned. Yeah, yeah, People come much. over, you see all these, you know, we're not right into the, the bodybuilding fitness industry. We, we follow a few people on Instagram, but we see people come to Australia, the biggest names in the world in, in the industry. Doldies. They go to Doldy's, yeah, you know? Yeah. And like, what, is it, what else is it that sets you apart in what you've set up here? So you talk about the fact that you're always putting back into the gym. You know, you, you're a first one to be never, uh, never shutting the doors. Like, mm. these, these are different things that change industry and you're always, and, you know, made it a, a happy and a place that people wanted to walk into. What other things have you added to Doherty's Gym that would contribute to the fact that it's very successful? Well, a lot of it's just been planned, I guess, clever branding and marketing but it's also creating an atmosphere which is unlike anything else because money can't buy what we've got like there's gym owners around have got way more money than me they go spend three four million dollars setting up a gym all the best equipment new equipment rows of it and they sell memberships for mm. next to nothing and discount and it's all about money mm. and people walk in they smell it mm-hmm. whereas here away, you yeah. walk in and I've always said we don't um, we're not providing you with a workout, we're providing you with an experience. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what sets us apart is the Doherty's experience. You walk in here and you see people that you're not going to see anywhere else. You see pictures and history and memorabilia and shit I've collected over the years that you're not going to see anywhere else. Mm. And you leave um, with an experience. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what really, really sets us apart. So we've made it a go-to point. So if anyone in the fitness industry, for example, coming from Sydney or Brisbane, Gold Coast, Perth, Darwin, is coming to Melbourne and they're in the fitness go. You've got to go to Doherty's gym. Oh, yep. can you get me a shirt? Yeah. Yep. So we'll get someone in from, example, from Adelaide or Sydney or come in. Oh, you know, I heard about your gym. I've always wanted to train here. And I've got six mates want to get me shirts. And they, they'll spend $10 on a casual visit and 200 bucks on merchandise. Yeah. Mm. And then our merchandise sells worldwide. Like last night, we sold something to France, something to Sweden, something to Scotland. That's classic. <laughs> you it's know? like Oakland Raiders kind that's of stuff. Sick, man, it's, it's crazy. That, I went it's to that a logo that's very. Oh, it's fair. I had, this, um, I had this real moment of truth. I think it was like three, four years ago. I was at the Body Power. Expo in Birmingham 
and I saw eight guys wearing Doherty's gym clothes at, at an expo in Birmingham. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. the Mr. Olympia now, I get so many people come up and they say, oh, can I get a picture with you? So I've become this, I guess, iconic in the industry. People want to have a picture. Of, yeah. Or, but they'll rip their shirt open. I was at this expo in Barcelona. There's all these Spanish kids. They ripped their jackets open and had Doherty's gym shirts. I'm like, this is it's surreal. You know, it's it's, yeah, it's yeah, really yeah. crazy. But it's not just bodybuilding and fitness. So then we've, we've made it so a place um, where it's a go-to point for anyone in the world that talks to fitness people. So, for example, the WWE wrestlers all train here, John Cena and Triple H and all these really high-profile guys, Tiger Woods and mm. rap singers, Exhibit and Flo Rida and all these guys when they come. And it might be a porn star, it might be a, a, a rap singer, it might be an actor mm. that's in Melbourne and go, I've got to go train at Doherty's gym. Mm. And somehow we've been able to capture that. Well, I won't say somehow, but mm. obviously it's been yeah. planned and structured and it's been a dream and a wish, but yeah. um, it's worked. Yeah. And then, of course... People say you never know who you're going to see at Doherty. So, you know, obviously Arnold's been here. And mm. I remember the day he came in and the members all lined up with photos for photos, which you can't get. And he was generous enough to do that. So mm-hmm. it's like life changing for yeah. people. They come in and I mean, we had Tiger Woods in the city for two weeks, you know, and we didn't let anyone near him. And he went and told wow. a whole lot of people, because the first time I've ever been left alone in a gym. These guys get it. They're so fucking cool. Wow. Mm-hmm. You know, so we just, we just know people and we read the temperature in the room pretty well. And yeah. we just, I guess, um, Built our our gym into just so much more than a workout because mm. you get a workout. I mean, if I can work out at a hotel or mm. a way or a pool, snap five fitness, bucks, five bucks fitness, fitness food, whatever. Yeah. Fuck, mm. because I'm not playing in that space. Yeah, so it doesn't matter what they do. I just don't give a fuck. Mm-hmm. I, people say, "Oh, have you heard of this gym? Have you been?" I said, "Sorry, man, I'm so caught up in my world. I'm a little bit insular like that. I don't know what's going on or what the trends are. I just don't give a fuck because I'm not a sheep. I've yes. never been yep. a fucking sheep to follow trends." Right? I'll just build – I've just got a vision. That's mm. what I said before, a passion, a vision, and action. Mm. And I've got a very clear vision. And the only thing that's ever helped me back is I've been underfunded. That if I had – and it's probably good the way it's worked out because it's all been incremental. But mm-hmm. you know, if I had the funds, I, I know how crazy everything I build would look. Yeah. <laughs> well, I really want to – and like, I, you know, having people rip shirt, those shirts off and see it is like – it's not like, oh, look at me, how – Good name. It's like a, it's a really, it's confirmation that everything, because you th- you've thrown your whole life into this. It's just yeah. good to see that like it's really paying off as well. But yeah. I, I really want to pick your brain on um on this this drive to to succeed because obviously like the biggest thing that people say is like oh lack of time, lack of money, and all this sort of stuff. But I really feel that all um, stems from just fear of failure. And I I was I was wondering what you. Like, because we all have fear, like we're all human, all this sort of, so we all have those sort of thoughts. Like, what you do when when those thoughts start to pop up? Like, do you have any, um, like, do you do mindfulness skills, or, or what do you do to sort of combat that? Well, I guess I'm aware aware that everyone has a f- fear of failure. You know, if you're going to ask a girl on a date, what stops you? Just f- yeah, rejection, fear of failure, yeah, rejection, yeah. fear of rejection. If you're going to take on a business project, or you're going to risk something, or you know, I always had this saying, something in a Tom Waits song: you have to risk something that matters. And when you put your balls on the line and risk everything and you don't have a choice, mm. then all of a sudden you don't have the ability to go, oh, that's a bit scary. You, go, you know what? I've fucking already jumped. Mm. You know, it's almost like, um, you know, cutting off the rope, cutting off the diving board, you know, that sort of saying like, you know. Yeah, jump in, jump in and learn how to swim on, jump learn, in. Learn how to swim on yeah, as you so go. It's yeah, a lot it's of that. And I think you just got to be aware and have a level of confidence where you know that you chose it or it chose you and either way you're going to do it. So. Don't overthink it. And mm. a lot of people overthink shit. Mm. You know, and the other thing um, that I love about bodybuilding and fitness, and I preach it, I absolutely I'm like a preacher for fitness and well being, because I believe that when you feel good about yourself, 
you've got confidence. When you've got confidence, you can do anything. Yeah. And if you look like a fucking slob and you hate yourself and you've got to get dressed in the dark and you lie to yourself every time you put fucking crap in your mouth and reward yourself and your emotions with food like a fat little kid mm. and you're an adult, then you don't feel good about yourself. Mm. Don't fucking pretend that you do. Mm. And that's going to impact in every single thing you do. You know when you feel good? You know when you've got like a six-pack oh, yeah. and your veins are out and you're strutting? You feel good about yourself. You feel, And there's a fine line where you can take that too far, and I've been there. But just as an older guy now, to be in better shape than anyone my age mm. is really empowering, mm. and it feels fantastic. You know, and then look at Arnold, who's going to be 70 this year, and he looks amazing. You see he's him in a T-shirt it. or something. He's killing it. And you say, but look at the confidence the guy's got. He's yeah. got this insatiable, incurable confidence. I've never seen it in any other human. Of course, I just stay close and just try and yeah. just get the crumbs. Of it, yeah. I'll just get the crumbs of his confidence. Yes. You know, so that's kind of, I guess, where this has all taken me now and the cool shit I'm getting to do is reinforce what I always believed. And it's kind of like I said before about doing it to prove yourself right. And I'm sitting there going, fuck, I was right. Mm. I knew I couldn't quit. I knew I had to stick it. I knew I had to outlast everyone. And I knew I had to believe in myself. Mm. And there's one person out there listening that's got some self-doubts. You've got to believe in yourself. Self-belief mm. is the greatest thing you can ever have. Mm. And you know what? If you take on something really, really big and fail, no problem. It doesn't no. matter. If you don't, people regret the things that they didn't do, not the things that they did do. Mm-hmm. And um, I'll give you this one. And, and I remember when I did my first Relentless Momentum tour and I throw it over to the audience. Go, ask me anything. I think they're going to ask me all this you know, bad stuff they've read in the media or whatever. And, and of course, someone says, um, why are you the way you are? What? What drives you? Why are you so up? Like, I've followed you for years or whatever. You're always positive. You're always fucking pushing forward, breaking down barriers, being the wolf, not being the sheep. What? Mm. What is it? What drives you? And fuck it, hit me. I go, ah, oh, good question. Hey, yeah. Just give me a minute. I, go, I don't really fear anything except regret. And, and it just hit me so clear. I go, you know what it is? I fucking, I'll tell you right now. Everyone, I said, everyone just... Turn the lights down low and just, we're going to go dark for a minute. I'm going to do it for you guys right now. And all the listeners, just stop and think about that. You're all going to fucking die. Every single person listening to this, us in the room, everyone is one day closer to their deathbed. And it might be a morbid, fucking miserable thing to say, but it's true. Mm. And the day that you die, unless you get hit by a fucking tidal wave or a bus or something, and you know it's coming, how do you want, how do you want to die? How do you want to look back on your life? Do you want to be the person who says, fuck, what a ride. I couldn't have fucking packed more into that. That's me. Mm. Or do you want to be the person who goes, geez, I just wish I had taken that risk. I wish I had have done this. One more day. I I just, no, not one more day. Mm. I wish I could go back in time and have some fucking balls to do Mm. what I knew I needed to do. And I just said, oh, that's too hard. It's too scary. It's too risky. What if I fail? Right, that to me is the scariest thought in the world. And that's why nothing fucking scares me. Right, when I say nothing scares me, everything's scared like any other human, but I take it on. I just like, mm. I'm just going to bash down those fears because mm. I don't want to get to the end and go, oh, you know, that time I should have taken that risk. I should have fucking put my house Follow on. Follow your passions. Yeah. Follow your passions, which, you know? which people don't. And, it's, and it's, it's the most important thing you can have because when you face it, when you get there, you don't want to go, oh, fuck. One life, and I wasted the cunt. I just didn't yeah. fucking do it. I didn't have any balls. So that's 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 my total motivation. Mm. So I'm gonna I'm gonna pack every single thing I can to this. That's why I hate sleep. It's a funny thing. If they could invent an operation or come up with a pill which meant in a healthy way you never had to sleep again, yeah. I would be the first person. I would line up and go fucking sign me up. Yeah. Because there's only so many hours you're alive. I'd like to be. I hate the fact that we've got to waste even six hours a day. <laughs> yeah. 
fuck, what a pain in the butt. <laughs> yeah. Imagine if I, could, if I could get it down to three, I would. And I've tried and it's not healthy. So I, I can operate on about five or six hours yeah. sleep. Wow. And um, that takes some training. But, mm. you know, it's... Uh, it's a third of your life, isn't it? I used to, uh, when, I, when I was... Uh, I bought my... Uh, one of, a house that I bought when I was about 21 years old. I was uh, living with my girlfriend at the time. And I used to wake up on Saturdays just at the crack of dawn. I'd just be up because I knew there was something I could do in the backyard. I was renovating the whole thing, um, landscaping, painting, whatever. I'd get up and I'd just start doing stuff because I wasn't tradie working at the time, which is what I used to do. And Cap, Cap was great. She was the, she was the greatest chick. She used to sleep in till like 12. Mm. And we, you know, she just had 10, 12 hours sleep. And I'm walking in the room at like eight or nine. I'm like, oi, what are you doing? You fucking yeah. up. And she's like, nah, I'm just loving it in bed and whatever. I'm like, oh, no worries. I come in two hours later. I'm like, oi, fucking get up. What are it's you doing? Too bad. And I'm like, I'm living more of my life than you. Yeah. You're wasting your time. I'm, I'm getting in like an extra six hours of life. I'm not getting in a work day a week of, of yeah. life that you're missing exactly, out on. Exactly, yeah. But when you, you break know? it down, you can live an extra 10 years if you don't sleep so much. Sleep yeah, when, you, yeah. sleep when yes. you're dead. Oh, but you need your sleep. Oh, fuck, get over yourself. Shut you're not a little kid. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. So, and all the successful people I know, the super successful ones. Well, Arnold reckon he sleeps four, four, four hours a night or something, isn't he famous? He sleeps about five hours a night yeah. and then he has a couple of um, maybe 10 minute power naps. And I do the same thing. Right. Yeah. I always thought it was odd until I saw him. He does exactly the same. I'm like, cool. I can fall asleep. <laughs> I fall asleep at my desk probably every day. Yeah. But never more than 10 minutes. I'm yeah. lying. When I was working upstairs in the office, I'd lie on the floor, starfish. Should be, you can't have a proper sleep. Yes, you can. I go into a fucking full REM sleep. I dream everything exactly 10 minutes and I wake up like that and I feel like I've been on holidays. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, how, so, how did you train that? How did you do that? Because I fucking want to do that. I met, yeah. I met a dude in LA, remember? Yeah, and, um, yeah. He, in the Uber. Um, he was like a, yeah, a, Uber? a black belt. Yeah, it was in an yeah, Uber. Guy, yeah. He was like a black belt um, Taekwondo dude and he swore that he um, slept like four or five hours a night. I was like, man, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> I, I, I can do about seven hours a night. And but then this You're is what I think is very well. hard as well. Though. Yeah, I'm training very hard, but like I'm not training any harder than you probably did, or Arnold definitely not training harder than Arnold did. You know, like you can surely do it. How did you train it? Because I want to get to this stage just incrementally. So like when I thought I needed seven hours, I thought well, it's like anything you say, it's like giving up smoking. Um, if you if you if you think you need seven hours, say so, well maybe I'll just do six fifty. It's mm. only ten minutes, mm. and you do that for a week, and you go, well that didn't kill me, and then mm. I'll go six. Let's go six thirty. It's like when people are giving up smoking that can't go cold turkey or whatever. Go, how many smokes do you have? Mm. So I do a lot of this mind work. It's a 20. I go, what about tomorrow? You just have 18. Benjamin, just have 18. Can you do it? Oh, I think I can do that. Yeah. Mm. Just do it for a week. Come see me. Yeah. And the next week, I say 15. Right? All of a sudden, they're down to five. I go, fuck, really? And they go, you know what? I don't crave them like I used to. I don't enjoy them like I used to. It's time to give up smoking. Yeah. Don't ever put one in your fucking mouth again. Yeah. It's that simple. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like that with sleep. You just just work out what you can do, not what you can't do. Go, oh, well, I can't function on six hours. Okay, so train yourself on six fifteen or six thirty or six, and it comes. Yeah, and then and then just allow yourself to have a nap if you need one. Yeah, but never longer than ten fifteen minutes. That's mm. where people fuck up because mm. you get tired. Yeah, mm. you know, I had to go through that to figure that out. We go, oh, I'll go and sleep for an hour. Yeah, you wake up like a zombie, and you still feel fully recovered. Oh, totally. Look yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I've got to do it. Well, should we go for a, to six from six? Yeah, six from six. Mm. Tony, we're going to have to do round two, man. I've Absolutely. got a thousand more questions. This yeah. has been one of. I haven't got goosebumps on um, in in uh, interviews too many times. So uh, it, well, it makes me want to go and uh, <laughs> it makes me want to go and open my own gym called Doherty. <laughs> well, I'm selling licenses. <laughs> um, all right, so Tony, I've got three questions for you. Tommy's going to hit you with three questions, then we'll, uh, we'll wrap it up. So my first one is a travel-related question. Um, your favorite travel destination on the planet. God, it's so hard. 
I've been thinking about this ever since you contacted me because I like each different place I go to for a different reason. Mm-hmm. But I'd have to say, you know, with the Arnold Tour and everything else, probably South America, oh. Brazil. Mm, um, I've got to go down to southern Brazil this year, down to Guaso Falls and the Argentina and that whole region. Just loved it. Love the people, love the vibe, love the weather. Um, and and uh, Rio itself, I think, is just one of the great cities of the world. My favourite city in the world? Iguazu Falls, I did six months in South America. My favourite spot in all of South America. Well, uh, just whole... got back last month. Loved really? It. Yeah. Yeah, it's fucking amazing. Mm. It's the best. Yeah. Uh, so second question is um, dream destination. So top your bucket list, haven't been to, can't wait to get there. Well, I'm running out because I've been fortunate enough to go to so many places. And after each Arnold now, we go somewhere we've never been. Mm-hmm. So for example, after Barcelona last year, we went to Portugal. And after Hong Kong, we went to Taiwan. And after... This year we went down to Guadalajara Falls and after Spain this year I'm going to go to Prague. So I always add something on I haven't done. Mm-hmm. So I'm tipping, tipping it off. But probably um, uh, some, some of South America that I haven't seen mm-hmm. would be high on the bucket list. I want to see more. Um, Cuba was a big one until I did it and I'm just so glad I did it. Oh, really. that's and, uh, lucky, yeah. yeah. That was, and that comes into the people I'd like to have dinner with. That was a Cuba connection. <laughs> Back to it. And, um, and uh, the, other, the other one is Russia. Um, I've just just love to go to not just to Moscow but just to some different far out places in sort of Russia, Eastern Europe. Mm. Like, that's just one place I've never been. Fascinating cool. stuff so there. I'm like, Shit, how come I haven't been there? Because mm-hmm. I've kind of been everywhere. I've been all over Europe and you know all over Asia and all over the US. And um, so I don't have a dream destination as such. Um, just everywhere. Yeah. yeah. More of South America, more of the Caribbean, and definitely. Um, some of that Soviet kind of stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, last question for me. Any books that you like to recommend to people? Can be any sort of um, easy read. Can be an autobiography, self-help, anything like that. I only read biographies. I've mm-hmm. never read a fiction book in my life yep. for the most part mm. because I'm not interested in anyone else's imagination. Mm. It's like fucking, that sounds great, but to me it's a little childish mm-hmm. reading fantasy novels or mm-hmm. sci-fi. Mm. If that's your we hobby, fine. We are definitely childish. Well, Harry Potter <laughs> is a biography, <laughs> so that's all right. That's fine. Um, I read one biography. It uh, was about an Australian guy that did time in an Indian, um, uh, in Australian prison, escaped and went to India called Shantaram. My favourite book of all yeah, time. Yeah, that is. Would be my, my favourite, favourite book, book I've ever read. It's the only yeah. book I've ever it. cried in. Yeah, yeah, loved it. And that was one of the reasons I went to the slums in Mumbai mm. um, because Mate. of the effect that book had on me. Mm. So, yeah, that would probably be one of the most um, things. And probably biographies. Oh, shit, the two best I've probably read. Arnold's autobiography. Um, uh, the one he did recently, Total Recall. And I loved Mike Tyson's one. Um, it's called... Uh, mum, mum, mum. Anyway, the last Mike Tyson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that was really good. But just biographies in general. Yeah, yeah. awesome. Be good to know that actually that you got to read Shantaram, man. Yeah, I know. I have to read. read There's there's too many people that have said said it out. I'm like, fuck, I've got to get up and about this. India's been the number one place on my bucket list, Tony, since 2013 when I read Shantaram, and I haven't Mm. managed to get there yet. Get there, yeah. But uh, it's fucking great, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tommy, you're up. Alrighty. Uh, So, Tony, what do you like to do when you have some downtime or when you have some spare time? Um, You still train much? Yeah, every morning. Yeah, yeah, every morning. Yep. Yeah, pretty much seven days a week. Yep. Um, I've just had a hip replacement four weeks ago, so that yes. slowed me up. But generally, um, I train seven days a week. I absolutely love it. I stay in really good shape mm. for my age, for any age, really. Um, that's my that's my sanity. But it's not a hobby because I work in a gym, so it's not like I, you need something outside of work. Um, so things I do outside of here, you know, I love to just chill out and have a cigar. Yeah. Um, I love uh, riding motorcycles. I've got. Um, 
a couple of choppers and some really cool bikes. Yeah, yeah, I want to see Indian, those. A bunch of, I'll show you in a minute. But yeah. um, getting out and having a ride is probably um, that's my sort of happy place. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, just getting out out of the gym and just doing some cool stuff. And of course, travel. Yeah, absolutely. Which has become kind of my life. But I always make sure I do some cool shit while I travel. So mm. they're mm. probably the three things. Um, in terms of like a role model, like who was someone you looked up to as a kid or uh, maybe someone now you, you look up to, uh, well, apart from Schwarzenegger? Well, it's, it's a hard <laughs> one because he's always been my idol and, yes. and, and now he's my mentor and, and still is. So that is there's insane. probably um, different people to look up to for different reasons. Um, and I like parts of people's life, but I might not like the person they are, but I like what they've achieved. Mm. So mm. I don't really have a go-to person like that. Okay. Um, yeah. Do you have um, – so what about some some – uh, well, what about someone that you like what they've achieved? Like, who would that be? What's that? So someone, so you said that you like certain things that people have achieved, but you may not look up to them as a person? Yeah. Yeah, so who, who would be some of those people, I guess? Hmm. Well, I think anyone who's built something out of nothing, you look at some of the really successful people, whether it's you know Trump or Steve Jobs or these people that just had this incredible sort of vision and just followed it through... Um, you know, there's a guy who started out as a chopper builder in the States called Jesse James, who I just think he's been a genius with branding and some mm. that sort of stuff. So like in the chopper world, there's some people and in the gym industry, there's some people and there's some, you know, in, in acting and movies, obviously Arnold and Stallone and these guys who just created something out of nothing. Mm. Um, but there's not a single person really. I just, yeah. I follow, if you look at my Instagram, I follow all kinds of, it's, it's bipolar. Yeah, yeah. It's like my <laughs> musical tastes, yeah. yeah. I'm very bipolar uh, in, in a general sense. <laughs> um, and finally, mate, if you could invite three people to dinner, uh, dead or alive, who would they be I'm, I'm glad why? you gave me fair notice on this. Yeah. It's hard to get it down to three. Yes. Right, but my first one, the first jump to, without, without hesitation, is Johnny Cash. Oh, cool. good one. Yeah. In yeah. his heyday, when he was flying. When he was you know, killing just, it. Yeah, just Johnny Cash. You know, I, I've Legendary, always been fascinated with Have him. Have you been to the Johnny Cash Museum in no, Nashville? Oh, it's no, good. I've not been to Nashville. It is good. I'm sure I will. Mm. Um, and, and it's probably if I had another musician there, or if Johnny couldn't make it, it'd be Tom Waits. Oh, yeah. Um, like when people talk about the soundtrack of your, lights, of your life, mine's Tom Waits. I bought yeah. his first album when I was 15, and I've listened to him every single day, I think, of my life since. Yeah. Um, and uh, I just kind of get it. His darkness kind of provides me with light, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Tom so, Waits isn't an artist that a lot of people recognise, no, though, isn't it? No, Tom Waits Yeah. Okay, well, he's, a lot of people have covered his songs, but if you look at his biography, he's done a ton of stuff. He's got that gravelly voice, but he, he's just got this story of of, of working-class people and, and destitute people and down-and-out people, and I kind of rise from that, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. Well, so, actually, I only found out of Tom Waits when I figured that um, Heath Ledger's Joker voice was um, based on Tom Waits's interview. Voice. It was based on yes, an interview was, he did in Australia. Yes, when he came here in 1976, I think it was, and he performed at Dallas Brooks. So I know everything about Tom Waits. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. yeah, a little bit freaky, but um, yeah, that Heath pianist. Ledger um, based the Joker's persona and voice on that Tom Waits interview. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah, it yeah. is. Yeah, I mean that's a and really I mean, what a role well, that, yeah. that that. I'm not a superhero Batman freak, but Heath Ledger in that role is one of the most moving, oh, oh. just, wow. You just watch Absolutely. it over and over. Perfect. Yep. You know? Perfect. Um, so back to Nothing. the, the guests. Yes. So if we could have an extra one, it'd be, it'd be Tom Wade sitting next to Johnny Cash. <laughs> yeah. Um, Ernest Hemingway. Oh, yeah. And that's where the Cuba connection, I went mm-hmm. to Hemingway's house. I went to Cuba to find the La Floridita bar because my favorite drink is a Hemingway daiquiri. And the story was that Hemingway was an alcoholic and he worked his way through this daiquiri list and he got to number three. He said, can you make that without sugar because I'm a diabetic? And he'd drink six a day 
when he wasn't having a drink, <laughs> and when he'd really have a drink, he'd drink, you know, bucket yeah. loads of them, and he'd go home and he'd stand up and type. And he wrote, wrote most of his novels really? when he was blind drunk on these daiquiris, <laughs> yeah, yeah. standing up. And it's one of the only things in in, in Havana that's um, been. Um, kept in its original form. Everything's a fucking mess there. It's actually third world. It's it's, it's terrible, the state of the country. And you think, oh, I wanted to get there before the Americans went and fucked it up. And I got there and go, it's going to take them years. It's, oh, it's really good. that bad. Yeah, right. holes and rundown buildings. But Hemingway's house, because he mm. exiled there for like 20, 30 years, and, and his house has been kept like a museum. And you don't go in, but they open all the windows and you can look in all the windows. And there's his typewriter where he stood and he was this um, manic guy who wrote his weight down every day on the bathroom wall. And there's his scales and all these really? texture weights and dates all over the walls. And, you know, the heads of the animals he'd go and hunt on safari, he'd bring back from the darkest of Africa. And, yeah. You know, the, the, the bottles of um, rum that he was drinking at the mm. time. It was like five different bottles <laughs> of white rum. And it was just amazing. And then the pool, which is empty, but they've got the bathhouse. And then all the guests that went to Cuba to go drink with Hemingway over the years, some of the famous old movie stars of the 30s and 40s. It was just mind-boggling. So yeah. Ernest Hemingway would be That'd there. That'd be great. I'd and then there'd have to be else. one political figure, one controversial political figure. Yeah. And, you know, and uh, probably riled too many people up if I said Adolf. So let's go. <laughs> That's our biggest, he's, he's our he's biggest, our biggest guest. guest. Yep. Yeah. Huh? He's the biggest dinner guest we have. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, well, you yeah. People just want to pick his brain. Um, I, I'd just like to see his madness. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, his clarity and his madness and all the rest of it. And um, if I had to alternate, if he wasn't available, he said, no, that's just too <laughs> yeah. not PC. Yeah, he's got a on. <laughs> um, it would be um, um, William Churchill. Ah, uh, yes. You know? And yes. I know he'd enjoy a cigar. And, you know, he changed the course of the world because he stood up to Hitler. Mm. And he had the balls not to quit. And I always use one of his speeches at the end of my Relentless Momentum talks. We made this famous thing. We said, just don't quit. Just don't quit. Mm. Just don't quit. Mm. You know? And it changed the course of all of our lives mm. because he didn't give one inch of ground to the Nazis where France did and he said no. There's a fantastic book by Boris Johnson um, on on um, William Churchill. You know right. Boris Johnson who nearly became Prime Minister he was the Mayor of London? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He, he looks like Trump. He's got that weird haircut. Well, isn't it insane to think of like someone like Churchill? Like we'd all be, yeah, Arnold we'd be sitting here speaking It's called German. the Churchill mm. Factor. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Arnold actually recommended it to me. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah, we definitely speak German right now. <laughs> yeah, so there's, there's my dinner table. So we sort of stretched it out to five. Yeah, I don't, right. don't know <laughs> how, way, how Churchill and Hitler would get on, but if it was <laughs> yeah. one of the two, that'd be fine. Johnny Cash or Tom Waits and Ernest Hemingway is a definite. Beautiful. Yeah, I love it. Awesome. And uh, finally, mate, um, anything you want to plug, uh, your social medias, things like that, now's the time to oh, give it look, a crack. Snapchat and Instagram, it's Tony Doherty, Oz as in Tony Doherty, all one, week, all one word with OZ on the end. Um, Facebook, you can just find me because you see my muscular picture, <laughs> rugged <laughs> handsomeness. Um, you know, Arnold Classic next year is the 16th, 17th and 18th of March here in Melbourne. Um, it's going to be, we didn't even get to talk about that, but it's going to be mm. the biggest um, multi-sport festival Australia's ever seen. Mm. Um, and it's gone from being like a classic and a fitness show now to a multi-sport festival. Mm. Where we've got more sports in the Olympic Games and Fucking the hell. whole kids expo and, you know, you know, it could be 80,000 people getting through the doors this year. So that's awesome. just grown into Sick. an absolute monster. And, of course, Arnold will be there. And uh, lots of events around that. So you can just go to arnoldclassic.com.au, check it out. Um, Doherty's gyms were always open in every location. We've got some interstate ones opening in the next few months, nice. which we'll announce soon. 
and um, just come and experience it for yourselves and check it out. And most of all, if you follow me on social or send me these messages or something and you see me, please come and say hi because mm. you get people who get intimidated and then they message me later and go, I saw you in the gym today, I followed you for years and, <laughs> you know, I sort of chickened out. I'm like, fuck, man. <laughs> I'm the most approachable. I look like maybe a little like a intimidating, but I'm, yeah. I'm actually a very personable person. I love meeting my followers and fans and people that help to build Mm. my brand and success so if you're one of those guys or girls come up I'll give you a hug believe it or not <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, and, course, and thank yeah. you for your um, your encouragement and the people that do message because I do this daily thing called real talk on Snapchat and I just yeah. give it to people and make them maybe challenge the way they think a little bit and the feedback I get is phenomenal and to be able to I won't say change people's lives, I'll say impact on people's mm-hmm. lives and teach them a way of thinking a way of self-belief that they may have not have been exposed to mm me is the greatest privilege at all so to all those people thank you for your encouragement and messages i try and get back to every one of you i can and to you guys thanks for coming it's been a really fun yeah, yeah podcast. Man, right. fucking loved it um, yeah and i'd love to come back on again sometime because so i can talk and talk and talk <laughs> yeah it's good well, i want to you made about the arnold stuff there's, yeah. there's, there's a bunch of stuff we haven't yes. you know, covered you know and traveling with arnold could be a whole another segment oh, i'm, I'm yeah, done for some, a, a regular podcast this yeah has been for sure great. so yeah. get me back um if you guys come up here i'm always available we'll you know, do a we'll, session next time we're up here yeah, yeah i'll be that mm. i'll be very keen. Yeah, i'll yeah. take you through a little yeah. workout perhaps so yeah it's gonna hurt we're good i like it <laughs> All right. Well, Tony, Great, thanks, mate. Thanks for coming on the show. Legend. Thanks, and uh, thanks for the song at the start. That was <laughs> pretty fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm out. All right, that's a wrap. All righty, guys. We really hope to enjoy that show. And by really hoped, I mean I know you enjoyed that show, but uh, just, just you know, just yeah. I mean, you enjoyed it. Yeah, you, you enjoyed it, guys. If you uh, really like what we do, even if you don't like what we do, leave us a review. And I know that rhymes, and I have to take a poo. Everybody here, and I want to do it with you. Okay. Uh, because look, the funniest thing about the review is that it, it comes directly from you and we get to read it straight off the bat. I fucking love our reviews, guys. Some of them are five stars. Most of them are five stars. I, I think there's one don't one star. Don't give us a four star. Yeah, don't give us a four star. That just sucks. One of my friends gave us a four star, actually. Did he? No, what? she. What? She. What, what, um, what was the five? It was Layla and, and she said, um, I was telling her about- What a slut. That I was- <laughs> Oh, that's so that's bad. Harsh. I don't even know that's Layla. I'm sure she's a lovely no. lady. <laughs> I'm sorry, Layla. Um, she's an adventure fitter too. She's an absolute champion. Oh, no. But, uh, sorry, Layla. I yeah, love you. I love we, you love our, we love our clients. We do. No, but uh, Layla, Layla's a champion. I was telling her about um, the technical difficulties we had with one of the shows. And then she loved the show, but she gave us four stars, she said, because I told her about the technical difficulties that we'd had. I'm like, yeah, but I told you, but you didn't know. Yeah, you, you didn't already... listen to the actual... She's like, yeah, but I knew because he told me in the back end. I'm like, oh, well, you don't give me... <laughs> you four stars for that. I mean, so, I love you to bits, but jeez. I think we got, we got maybe a two-star one for talking over people back in the day. Oh, um, yes, yes. Yeah, I think we got a two-star for that. Yes. Or maybe, maybe we did. Maybe, maybe we got... We used uh, to be way four. worse. Even though, ironically, we just spoke over each other then. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Guys, uh, yeah, so leave us a rating review. Uh, jump onto iTunes guys uh, that is how you will do it you can leave us a rating view there subscribe to the podcast we are brought to you as we have mentioned by Audible head to www.audibletrial.com forward slash ADVF radio to get your free monthly credit and you subscribe uh, what else Bill what Quash else creative. yes Quash Creative our big man Shorty Marsh head to www.quashcreative.com.au mention uh, mention Adventure Fit Radio and he will give you a free basic SEO report or feedback on your existing brand or website. And finally, guys, lots to say about Adventure Fit Travel. Bill's going to do us the deed here. Go! 
Head to uh, www.adventuretravel.com, guys, and use the code word radio for 10% off. We've got amazing, life-changing trips coming up. We've also got awesome options if you're an affiliate owner and you want to travel the world for free and uh, get lots of money to pour back in your gym, but we'll be announcing more about that soon. You're probably here if you're an affiliate owner. But uh, yeah, lots going on at Adventure Travel. Check it out on the website. If you're ready for a holiday and you want to do it in the coolest places with the coolest people, then uh, do it with us. Also, lastly... If you uh, anything from this show that you wanted that you didn't uh, that you want to check up on, then you can head to our show notes. Everything will be linked in there. So anything that Tony mentioned, anything that me and Tommy might have mentioned, it'll be in there at www.adventuretravel.com forward slash radio. Alrighty, guys. Until next week. Bye for now.